there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome to Go, my favorite sports team where we love sports. We collectively know sports. The average knowledge of sports in the room that I'm currently in is high, and I am not saying I'm bringing the average <laughs> down. That's why there's a curve on this particular scoring system of sports. I am Mark, also known as Markiplier, also known as the guy that doesn't know sports. And people think that I am pretending to be dumb to not know sports and how much I would love for that to be the truth. Um, but Tyler here does know sports. He can tell you how much I do know about sports. Yeah, you uh, you did uh, track and field. You did marching band, which apparently, according to the, uh, the subreddit, it's officially registered in the state of Texas as a sport. Yeah, I saw that post. I was going to save that for when the ghosts possess me and accost you with uh, their infinite knowledge. But yes, in Texas at least, they have declared that marching bands was a sport, and it was a funding thing, right? It was about funding. Well, it was about funding and safety. It was primarily a safety thing because Mm. um, it had to do with getting physicals and testing players. Anyway, I'm Tyler. I'm the guy that knows sports, king of balls and holes, whatever you want to call me. That's kosher you know sports related i I am that that is it and i am the other guy and that's all you need to know about me my identity shall be a mystery from here on out um we don't have an update on news this week because our editor is out and uh eventually we'll get the live streaming set up and i wanted to just say before any ghosts further cost my soul the discord is in the process of being set up but all you people that are like oh it's easy you click a button and you get a discord server right there well you haven't managed thousands of people People trying to get in a Discord server. You have to have permissions. You get bots in there. You get moderators in there so that all the spam gets cleared out. It's a bit more work. I'm busy. Yes, they could also do it, but why is this on me, huh? Why is it on me? Because I did the YouTube channel and the merch. <sighs> And most of the episodes. Oh, my God. <laughs> I I was there for the episodes, so yeah. <laughs> I meant the pre-planning for the episodes. Oh, uh, actually, there's a rebellion as it's being set up. I'm getting a breaking news bulletin. Bob said, quote, you can just make all the names distractible themed. No worries. Totally got Tyler's permission for that and everything. Uh, so thank you, Tyler. We're just going to make it instead of being Distractigo, which is the name of the server, and invites will be going out and be uh, alerted to you probably it'll be posted on various different parts of social media but not my public social media but thank you tyler is now the distractable discord 
wait a minute, I hate those guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so that'll be up soon. Probably post it on the subreddit. So go to reddit.com slash r slash gmfst to find the link for that. It will be probably there. If not there, then it will be somewhere else. Okay, cool. I was simply responding to Bob saying, interesting, very mm. interesting. Yeah, very. But you didn't deny it, so I think they're going to run with that. I'm going to say that. He didn't deny it. <laughs> People are going to go back now after listening <laughs> to this episode to find all of these. <laughs> fair is fair. All right. But anyway, as that's under construction, hopefully by the end of this episode, it'll be in some shape that it can be shared. But now it is time to accost Tyler because there are many injustices that he uh, did to the sport world. Apparently. Apparently. Allegedly. 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 Yeah, this is innocent until proven guilty, so I think we gotta go with that. So, first off, uh, we did motorsports a couple episodes back, and Tyler, do you not know the difference between a 6-liter engine and a 1.6-liter turbocharged DOHC, that's dual overhead cam V6 engine, Tyler. A 6-liter engine would be way too heavy. Sorry, Tyler. Okay. By Femme Fatale Fire. Femme. Can I call you Femme? <laughs> Can I call you Femme? <laughs> Listen. My brain is rattled with so many other things going through it of sports knowledge that I had a slip up. I'm a human. I'm not a 3D printing chest engulged hybrid mechanic. Engulged? What does engulged <laughs> mean? What does engulged mean? What's engulged? <laughs> Hey, uh, oh, in, no, engorge. In, I meant to say engorge, not yeah. engulged. Well, engulged, you know, Tyler, <laughs> king of balls and holes, and the ungulginator. <laughs> I'm not that type of mechanic that's just literally can spit out parts. All mm. right. I knew it was a V6. Six was stuck in my head. I knew it was 1.6. I had to slip up and said six liter instead of 1.6 liter. Mm. That's what happened. That's the truth of the matter. I knew what it was, and I screwed up. That's my mistake. I can't believe you're not perfect. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. And you know what else you're not perfect on? The Daytona 500 says technical ad 9639. It's not 500 laps. It's 500 miles. I'm pretty sure the person who said that during the episode was Mark. He's like, is it the 500 because 500 laps? And I said yes instead of correcting him because <laughs> maybe I didn't want to jump through that hoop of being like, no, Mark, it's not 500 laps, no, no, it's no. 500 miles. No, no, no. Even though this particular comment is not directed at you specifically, I'm going to assume that it was because this is the Tyler Acosta yeah, yeah. section of the show. It was the fact that I agreed. I simply said yes to you. Yes. And you know what else is also really smart to do? What? When you make mistakes, it engages your fans. It was intentional. Mm. It was all part of the plan. It's all part of the plan. All part of the plan. You give them little seeds that they can yeah. run with. I see what you're doing. I see. It. And also, it's your improv instinct to always yes and. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I, Mark came after me the last episode of me not yes anding. So mm. I had to yes and. Yeah. All right. So this next one is not so much an accostation, it is an opinion. They're asking uh, Horizon or TI asks, we need Tyler's review on the Cincinnati Zebra. Oh. I mean, Bengals' new alternate uniforms. Oh, I know exactly what they look like. Yeah? It's the White Tiger. Yeah? Yeah. White Tiger? Yeah. So if you know in the Cincinnati Zoo, they obviously have Bengal Tigers, but they also have uh, White Tigers. I believe they're... Like Siberian? Siberian. Yeah. I want to make sure. No, Siberian Tiger is like the Bengal Tiger. Um, ah, so the White Tiger, what I'm seeing here, is a bleached 
Tiger is a luchistic pigmentation variant of the Bengal tiger. Okay. Or, yeah. or Siberian tiger. It's a variant. It's a variant. So yeah. they do exist as a variant of a Bengal tiger. So it's completely fair that they would do this. Mm-hmm. Plus, let's be honest, the Cincinnati Bengals have the coolest helmet in the entire NFL. Do they? And they've had it for the longest time. Like, just think about it. Everybody else has kind of their logo just on the side. Yeah. The Steelers have it on one side because they don't know which way to put their helmet on correctly. <laughs> So, the Bengals, long-standing striped helmet, coolest helmet in the NFL, and they just made a cooler variant in the full white and black tiger helmet. Yeah, it's a little bit of a rip-off of Unis Honest, but, you know, it is what it is. I I do think that, like, the aesthetic of the Bengals uniform, I've always liked. I mean, I'm from Cincinnati, so I see it everywhere. I go into every restaurant and it's like, Bengals, go Bengals, especially during the Super Bowl this last year, uh, which I watched, definitely. But it is cool. I don't, I, you guys at home, give us your opinions on what the coolest NFL helmet is. Yeah. Next up. Well, we're going to ignore that one because that's pointed at me, but it's not, <laughs> it's not important right now. All right, so Tyler says, Captain Pixie Hollow, I'm sorry we scared you out of doing a soccer primer. I feel like this one is more insulting because it's like condescending in a way. Uh, Just because we hockey fans gave you a hard time about not knowing hockey, it doesn't mean the soccer fans will do the same. Who knows? Maybe they will have more chill than we did. I was also going to apologize for being snarky about hockey in the first place, but I told my friend about it and he said I was right to be annoyed. So I guess I'm sticking with my mild indignation and jealousy that you went to the playoffs. Isn't that the snarky? <laughs> That's very snarky. First of all, you think I'm scared by a little plebeian like you? Ooh. You small, slightly less than elegant listener of Go. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. <laughs> no, no. I, I, I honestly appreciate anybody who comes back and actually wants mm. to help correct me and stuff like that. Yeah. I take criticism that's constructive very well. Um, That's something I've learned over time. Part of it being an athlete my whole life helped me in that regard. Because, you know, everybody has room for improvement and I'm going to make mistakes and I continue to make mistakes. But at the end of the day, like, as much as I'm very full of knowledge, I'm always willing to learn more. And so anytime this stuff happens, I'm fine with it. I welcome it. I'm able to learn and you know, it gets embedded in my brain better. And so in that way, you're helping me learn which then helps me teach Mark better. And at the same time, thanks. And I'm not scared. (laughs) All right. Fair enough. All right. So uh, this next one's a different one. This Jelly Cat Bayo says, I fully listen now and I want to say thank you. I've even heard a bit of jealousy in my boyfriend's voice when I listen to these explanations about sports versus his explanations about video games because I, quote, don't even like sports. Boxing and American football was a lot of family time. Personally, I like watching gymnastics recently because it's just amazing what the human body can do and the human capacities to all these sports are so amazing. So I want to say thank you. I do hope to catch a live stream. I am familiar with sports, but listening to it, how passionate someone is about it really helps stick helps it really uh, really helps it stick there's things like socioeconomics i never really thought about when it came to sports tyler you're doing an amazing job and mark the whole simplifying thing really helps as ridiculous as it sounds thank you to you both these are the th- comments that i love that 
keep me motivated to keep doing this podcast because it's so much fun. Like I have fun every time we sit down and record because I get to hang out with Mark and talk. But that's the whole reason we made the podcast was for people who don't like sports or don't know about sports to really see it in a different light and potentially get an opportunity to understand it and how it impacts the world around you. And so that makes you better able to connect with more people that may have different passions than yours and understand their passions better and maybe find a new passion of your own. Mm-hmm. That's very well said. And to simplify that, Tyler say thank you. It make his heart warm. And I say thank you because I'm here. (laughs) And that's it. (laughs) And thus ends the uh, channeling of the fan base ghosts. That was a pretty mild one. Yeah, no, I mean, not too many. You haven't made that many mistakes. I mean, a lot of mistakes, but they didn't notice. No, they didn't. Um, but this week is another week, so it's another chance to get them angry all over again, which I think you already <laughs> started, started off strong. I like it. I like it. Tiny plebeian. Yeah. Is that how you pronounce it? I don't know. I think so. Pleb or plebe. Plebeian, plebeian. Pleb, 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 whatever it is. Okay, so what are we talking about today? We have two options. Two options. I yeah. never have options before I go into this. Well, it's a question of whether you did your homework, Mark. Ah, right. Okay. And so if you did your homework, do you remember what your homework was? Yes. What was it? That's not the homework. <laughs> the homework was not to remember what the homework was. <laughs> I'm right. I'm right. I got you. You're right, but you need to be able to prove that you remembered the homework. No, 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 no. I think I've, I think I made my point. Oh, all right. You made your point. You made your points. Mm-hmm. Or it's the episode topic that I have. So if you did your homework, mm-hmm. I think you should take the charge. I should take the charge? Of yeah. course. I would love to. Why wouldn't I? I... <laughs> <laughs> All right, what was my homework? I don't remember. It was uh, electric motors Uh, and how electric technology is advancing and how it potentially will impact motorsports today and how it already has. Oh, cool. Yeah, actually, I know know a lot about electric uh, motors and their applications. I definitely did a lot of research on electric motorsports. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. So obviously we talked about motorsports in a previous episode and how much fuel tends to be used, which actually really cool. Formula One now uses hybrid motors. Mm. Um, That's part of the advancement as well as the the halo device for safety and other stuff like that. So Mm. it's a little bit, you know, more fuel efficient. Mm. Interesting. That's cool. I, I, I like the idea of hybrid motors just because from a performance perspective, there's advantages to gas motors and then there's advantages to electric motors. And the way that they operate, you know, electric motors can hit a lot more acceleration a lot quicker just because of the way electricity is able to turn that motor at a really high torque. Gasoline has a limit, which is based on the physical properties of the engine itself. So there's like weight ratios, fuel to weight ratios, both electric and gas powered engines have this problem. But you know when it comes down to a gas engine you can only make so much kaboom in a chamber Mm -hmm. before that kaboom explodes the whole chamber with electricity you can run so much current through that it'll burn out the wires but that is at a much lower threshold and especially a much lower weight the way to fix that problem is much less weight 
to weight the elect- dependent. Weight dependent. That's the word on the electricity side than it is the gas powered engine side. Well, also we've spent so much time already innovating with fuel motors, gas mm-hmm. gas engines. Yeah. To where now the electronic era, there's a lot more invention, innovation, and stuff like that to advance the output of electric motors and advance the amount of current you can carry through cables. Yeah, yeah. The current through cables is not the problem. It's really just like bigger cable, more current it can right. hold it for. Really, the biggest problem with current is it melting because they th- those things get real hot. And then the tendency of, of trying to insulate the cable because when you get it, certain voltages, certain amperages, that electricity will go to the place of least resistance no right. matter what. And that could be through the cable to the nearest wires or the metal body of the car. You know, that could happen. This is at really incredibly high things. But that's why if you see like a transformer like subjunction in your neighborhood, if you ever see it exploding and sparks and stuff, that's it's shorting out. The general topic is called shorting, which means it's the electricity is taking a shortcut to the nearest ground, um, Mm -hmm. ground in the electrical sense. But no, hybrids in Formula One would be really cool because you could get the fast acceleration around corners, have a smaller battery pack, regenerate some of the power from the braking that they need to do. I I could see that being cool. Yeah, it's the hybrid era right now for Formula One cars. Hybrid era. Literally 2022 is the beginning of the hybrid era for Formula One. Because I know they were doing electric Formula One. That that is one thing we talked about last time. And and it is disadvantaged. The biggest thing about electric motors is to power it at any kind of considerable range, you need to have a very heavy battery pack to get any kind of capacity to keep it going. You might be able to hot swap it, but that's more changes. You know, that's more other things you have to do. And um, there are, you know, certain limitations with the motors itself in terms of its how hard you run it. Actually, it might have, the hybrid era might have started in 2014. Since their introduction at the beginning of 2014, the hybrid engines have been the subject of much debate, with some claiming they serve no purpose in the so-called pinnacle of motorsports and others welcoming Formula One's arrival in the real world. Mm-hmm. V6 hybrids. Yeah, and 2022 is the minimum weight for cars in 2022 is set at 1,752 pounds or 795 kilograms, an increase of more than 440 pounds compared to 2008. Fascinating. That's not so, that that's not that heavy. When yeah. It comes down to cars like it's not that heavy. But obviously because hybrid engines require a battery, mm-hmm. the weight of the battery is probably what made this increase in the minimum weight for for cars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you want the car to be as light as possible to go as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I did my homework. You haven't finished your homework. It's supposed to be a whole episode. What? Mark. No, I'm done. That was it. All right. We covered the only electric motorsport that I know of. All right. So let's let's just start at the basic. Okay. Okay. Act one. What is the difference, aside from the fuel source, uh-huh. between an electric engine and a motorized engine? Okay. A gas-powered Yeah. Engine. Yeah. Why did I say motorized engine? Uh, that was yeah. dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Let me handle this. Fuel-powered engine. Let me handle this. All right. uh, So uh, I kind of did it in broad strokes. So with a gas-powered engine, it's an internal combustion engine. That is exactly as it sounds. It combusts the fuel internally. There's a few different ways to do this. There's a Wankel rotary engine, which is a fascinating device. Have you ever seen a video of a Wankel rotary engine? I've seen rotary engines in person. With It's the curved edge triangle. Yeah, it's a triangular rotating, quote-unquote, cylinder it's it's a really cool design 
really unreliable when not done right. Uh, when it first came out, before they had precision engineering, you know, machining, you know, yeah. to get like this in mass production was very difficult. Actually, with advances in uh, precision machining, we can make more reliable Winkle rotaries, and they are of comparable efficiency. I don't know have the efficiency tables in front of me, but they are of comparable. Well, efficiency. I do know they're lighter and generally have a higher output to weight ratio. Yeah, because instead of having an individual piston per chamber, it's the same rotating triangular shaped. I, I don't know what other term to call it, but a piston that compresses the fuel mixture inside a cylindrical, the actual combustion zone. It's, it's hard to describe. It's, it's very interesting, but the principles are still the same. It compresses fuel, air, and then provides a spark to combust the fuel-air mixture in a pressurized way, which will expand from combustion and then push the piston around, in this case, around a crankshaft to rotate, to provide rotational energy that will go to the wheels. So to describe the shape more, it's apparently a rounded edged triangle that's like the Venn diagram of three circles. Mm -hmm. It'd be the center portion of that three circle Venn diagram. Mm -hmm. And that's the shape of this rotary. And if I remember right, I don't know how to pronounce this word. It's R-E-U-L. It's French. R-E-U-L-E-A-U-X triangle. That's the actual word. Mm -hmm. Rouleau triangle. Sure. <laughs> that sounds like that might be correct. Yeah. Like this kind of came about design wise, I believe airplanes, because the way that the piston works mm -hmm. would work perfectly with a propeller. Yeah. It's not that a traditional cylindrical one wouldn't work because all of those are turning uh, the same crankshaft. Correct. In, a, in a car, the challenge is the engine is facing one direction. And unless that engine is placed in line with the front wheels and is a front wheel drive engine, then you have to transfer the energy like 90 degrees to rotate to the back wheels and then 90 degrees again to get to the wheels again. So you need gears. You need a crankshaft with gear ratios, angled gears, which is kind of complicated. Um, and each of these is an inefficiency of the energy combusted to the wheels. So every engine, every motor has an efficiency percentage. But yeah. I think even so, it's still pretty decent efficiency with gas fuel combustion. The rest is lost in the transference of the gearing ratios and heat. Yeah. This has less requirements of gears to transfer the power because the triangle itself rotates just a central column mm -hmm. because of the way that it's off kilter. It's not perfectly centered on that for those that have never seen a rotary engine. Mm -hmm. And so when it combusts, it pushes this triangle around in a circle, which just rotates the central column, mm -hmm. which is why it's real easy to lay flat and have it move a propeller. Yeah. And all this is to say that there are many different ways that people have experimented with these types of fuel combusting engines. So really, we're kind of at the tail end of any possible innovation that could occur in the combustion engine world. Now, electric motors. They're not a new thing. I think they were first invented in like the late 1800s. The idea of turning electricity into physical motion was one of the launching pads for the Industrial Revolution and like really changed the landscape of everything in a side by side with fuels and fossil fuels and stuff like that. Yeah. But the benefit of electric motors is that you do not need to combust any fuel unless it's the fuel you're combusting to generate the electricity in the first place. But thankfully, there are ways to generate electricity without combustion, like solar panels, wind, uh, hydropower, all these kinds of geo. Steam. 
thermal power, steam. Well, steam is generally the medium with which they turn, turn an electric a, generator. Yeah. Funny thing is a, an electric motor is basically an electric generator if you run it in reverse. Yeah. It's the same principle. It's, it's wound copper wires that have a current running through it with a cylindrical tube of magnets. I'm talking about a, specifically a DC motor, which is a direct mm. current motor. Uh, that was one of the earliest types of motors. And it's usually the motor that is driving physical vehicles because it is the most direct. You put more amperages, you put more current in there, higher wattage. It turns faster because it just spins harder and then you get more motion. So typically in most of the, I think my electric bike is a DC motor. Uh, hold on. Let me actually look into something about that. I don't know. Yeah, I'm trying to see if it says anywhere. I don't see it. Eh, whatever. I don't have the specific details. I definitely did my homework, but my dog gave my homework on the way over here, and I don't have the exact information in front of me. Um, apparently, Tesla uses an alternating current uh, induction motor for the Model S, but uses permanent magnet direct in the Model 3. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the difference there being is like the DC motor requires permanent magnets. Uh, that's what's in the, the cylinder that the actual copper piece goes into. So the current runs through the centerpiece, the magnets outside of it, because they're permanent fixed magnets, but they're placed in alternating north-south pattern around yeah. the cylinder. It's basically also how a railgun works, um, in a way. Not exactly. Someone at home will probably be like, well, it's not a, it's not a motor. It's like the same basic principle. It's like you have wound copper... Uh, you run a current through it in, in stages as it goes on, and the, the vehicle is housed within something with permanent magnets inside of it. Yeah. Or out, outside of it, actually. But all this is getting outside the point of electric motorsports. <laughs> but this is just getting into what a motor is. The The point being, electric motors are ubiquitous across the entire world. Like, they're everywhere. Fun fact about electric motors is that they're so prevalent and so much more prevalent than you would think. They consume 50% of the world's electricities are consumed really? by electric motors. Yes. I mean, I know RC cars were electric motors. Like, growing up, we'd put the batteries in them. That was fully electric motors. Motor. Mm. A lot of like your your drills, your power tools, a lot of those are electric. It's so much more than you think. Dishwasher, washing oh, machine. Oh my God, yeah. Garage door. Everything in your house that moves is probably an electric motor. Because oh, it's, yeah, all the sliding glass doors in the world. Exactly. Even shades coming down. You know, anything that has motion in the world, like uh, probably even bridges for drawbridges use electric motors to move them up nowadays, more well, than gas-powered motors. Hydroelectric power plants have their generators are electric motors mm -hmm. running in reverse because the water is forcing the turbine to turn and mm -hmm. it's converting it into electricity. It actually so. is the entirety of the world's electricity generation is based on electric motors why has because it they're been, electric generators why has it been so long since it's gone mainstream well the thing is it is mainstream it really is but no but i meant like mainstream for like vehicles and stuff like that was it more the battery technology battery, battery technology is Got really it. what it's all about yeah because people don't think about it when you burn coal to generate electricity what the, all that coal is doing is heating water that's the only thing the coal does it heats the water the water boils the steam is pressurized and shunted through an electric generator and that 
that is what generates electricity. So it's it's like the fuel source is not the essential cog in the wheel of everything. It is in a way, but if you have a different fuel source that it burns cleaner or you have a different source of energy like uh, sunlight is a different process, does not require an electric generator because it's a photovoltaic effect uh, directly from sunlight onto a solar panel current. Like, uh, it's it's really fascinating, the world of electricity, and it is something that I do know a good bit about. But that is the difference between gas-powered engines, motors, and an electric motor. Act two. Okay. Current sports that use electric motors. Formula One. E. E. Yeah. Formula, Formula E. Formula E. I believe it's called Formula E. Formula E. Done. Final answer. Yeah, but what else? Like you talked about in the motorsports episode, there was like a hoverboard races or something. I would imagine that any uh, traditional gas-powered sport has an electric variant as a potential. If it's not popular, it could be motocross racing. Is that what it's called? Motocross? It's just called motocross. There's there's motocross racing. There's like the tricks. There's like a lot of different. They things. make electric motorcycles, so therefore people have probably raced those things really fast. I could talk a lot about electric bicycles in general because that is pretty much where my my dump of knowledge is at the moment in my life. Um, but pertaining to sports, I'm sure there are electric boats. I'm sure those exist. There are probably electric bike races. I know that there's a specific race that is an electric bike, solar-powered electric bike race for distance. And I think the record for that, if I had to look that up... Uh... Every time I search electric sports, it just brings up electric sports car. <laughs> oh, God. Where is it? Okay, so the record, or at least as of 2018, was a solar-powered electric bicycle traveled 12,800 kilometers in 64 days from France to China. Oh, wow. Yeah. And if I show you a picture of is this Is that thing, like a... So, I, I'm assuming... Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm assuming this this particular sport is very much an endurance sport, but it's based more on engineering than necessarily the rider. Yes. Because obviously you're going to want the rider to be as light as possible, much like in horse racing, like mm -hmm. jockeys are. Yeah. So pretty much, uh, I think the, the benefit is like you build your own design for the rig. And this isn't an exactly a popular sport, but it is cool to see that this is possible. There's a giant array of solar panels in the back. They have a cargo trailer behind the bike. And the bike, this one has a mid-drive electric motor. And what happens is the cyclist is pedaling and there's batteries in the frame of the bike. And there's probably batteries in the back underneath the, uh, the solar panels themselves. And as they're riding, they they are using the motor to pedal farther and faster, uh, but the solar panels are actively charging a battery bank as they're pedaling. So the challenge is, is your battery going to heat up and explode? Because going from France to China probably runs through some deserts at some oh, point, yeah. and it gets probably either hot or cold. Or humid. Or if there's no sun out that day, yeah. what are you going to do? Are you going to pedal on just by leg power alone? And this thing doesn't look light. And yeah. I know that pedaling a heavy bike, like my bike is about 80 pounds with no accessories. Right now it's probably 100 pounds with all the accessories that I put on it. Um, pedaling that without power is horrible. It's horrible. It can be done, but I'm not going faster than five miles an hour. And that's at more energy than it would take probably just to run five miles an hour. But if I'm going down a hill, sure, it's fine. Uh, so that's one example of an uh, of, uh, electric bicycle sport that I know of. Other than that, probably electric planes. A lot of the, the 
sports, quote unquote, are more competitions based around breakthroughs in efficiency in mm -hmm. the terms of electric, because it is still a not a new landscape, but there are innovations being made in the electric motor world, in the battery world, in power storage and power generation. Solar panels are getting more efficient every single year. Apparently there's electric scooter races. Electric scooter races, I would believe it. Let me see if there, because you brought up the electric unicycle in motorsports. Yeah, electric unicycle is one of the most efficient electric-based human-powered transport systems. Electric unicycle competition. LA EUC Games. The EUC Games. It looks like they're doing tricks. Oh, yeah. Oh, the electric unicycle, if you get good at it, it is very nimble. The guys at Corridor, they love the what's called the what are you seeing? I'm seeing a world's greatest electric unicycle race. Yeah, it gets really intense. The guys at Corridor, they like one wheel. One wheel is okay. I have not tried it yet. We're going to do a video where I try it. But I got the unicycle based on a single video that I watched. Was someone reviewing, not the version I got, uh, was reviewing a version that was a higher end unicycle than the one I had. It went 45 miles an hour. It went 80 miles on a single charge. It has built-in suspension, all these crazy features. It is an insane machine because especially when you think about it, you are literally just standing on a motor. Yeah. That's it. You're standing on a motor and you're going 45 miles an hour. Which is crazy to me because like, you know, I have my motorcycle license and I've mm -hmm. ridden motorcycles and, yeah. and different bikes throughout my life. The thought of standing on two pegs, basically. Two pegs, that's it. And going 45 miles an hour yeah. is like, I understand on a motorcycle it's dangerous. That's insane. It is insane. But they do it and they wear full like padded gear. Oh, yeah. Most of they better. Like they have full face helmet, armored jacket. Like what a motorcyclist would wear. Should wear. Music. For sure. Should wear, definitely. I also had a motorcycle. On. When I take my electric bike downhill and I hit like 38 max downhill, I'm like, holy shit, it's so fast. Wait, if I was in my car, it wouldn't be anything. I don't yeah. know if it's just because you're used to it or because of the wind. I think like even when I had my motorcycle and I would get on the highway, I would be doing 65, but it didn't feel crazy to do that. For right. some reason, being on smaller and smaller vehicles just feels more insane the smaller you get. Well, and on a motorcycle, you tend to lean forward in the way they're designed. Most of them have a wind windscreen, so mm -hmm. it like yeah. deflects around the outside of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still kind of terrifying when you're in the open air, but yeah, when you're feeling like 35 mile per hour plus winds on you, it's terrifying. I know what that's like on skis. Yo. <laughs> oh, you do? Yeah. My brother and I were carving down the mountain. I think I hit like 50 something miles per hour at one point. Oh my God. Um, And it's just like, you can't like turn. You have to just lean and use the edge of your skis. And it's, it's called carving because you're just digging your edge in and it's allowing you to slowly turn. Oh. We, we talked about it in the, the Winter Olympic episode. Yeah, like yeah. they get up to insane miles per hour. Oh. Like so. that guy get hit in the nuts by the flag. You remember that clip? Yep. Scream yep. heard across the mountain. Well, Rough. think about if you've run into another person who's downhill from you, Ugh. who's just going Take to Take him out. Oh, oh my, my God. God. Yeah. yeah. No, thank you. Electric skis are coming next. <laughs> Electric skis. <laughs> they just like little snowmobiles yeah. on your feet. <laughs> but this is where like the difference comes in because I don't think in Formula E, the last time I heard about it, the Formula E cars don't go as fast as the gas powered variants do. They do they, not because they're heavier. Yeah. And they don't have the range that the other ones do in terms of like how much fuel that they can carry. Or maybe they do. I can't remember what it is. Either way, there are still innovations to be made in the electric motor sport world, I imagine, just because there are still innovations to be made in the electric 
motor world. And all of it comes down to batteries, really. If yeah. you really think about it, it all comes down to batteries. Yeah. Formula One is still faster, but they have apparently comparable acceleration, mm-hmm. which is amazing because electric motors generally don't have the latency mm-hmm. that fuel engines do. Yeah. Because for fuel engines to to put out the output, they have to combust, run into the gearbox and everything like that. The electric engine is almost straight into the wheels. Mm-hmm. And so they're averaging zero to 100 kilometers an hour in 2.8 seconds. Ooh. The crazier part to me is the aerodynamics of Formula One cars because they're designed to be light, right? Yeah. But you need to grip the surface. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So as you get up to the speeds, apparently a Formula One car can drive 180 like meters like upside down. I would totally believe it because of the downforce. So the way this works, if people don't believe that, if people hear that and they're like, there's no way it could drive upside down. This is why Bernoulli's principle, it works both ways. So a plane flies because of, not because of Bernoulli's principle, not because of Mr. Bernoulli's permission, but it's because of the way that air moves across that shape surface. So Formula One cars and cars like that, and that's why cars have spoilers. Well, not always. Some people just put on a spoiler for show. Right, for visual. Yeah, but the reason is it's because it's an upside-down plane wing, or at least it's the shape opposite, so that the pressure isn't lighter above, and the lower pressure above pulls basically the plane up. It's upside down, so the higher pressure zone is above, and the lower pressure zone, and it pushes the car down to grip the road. Yeah, so apparently Formula One car is capable of developing 3.5 Gs of lateral cornering force, three and a half times its own weight, thanks to aerodynamic downforce. That means theoretically at high speeds, they could drive upside down. I don't know if they have actually, but when they're at, I think, 180 miles per hour is what it was, correcting my previous statement, they should be able to drive upside down. Mm Mm-hmm. The question would be, how would they get upside down? Yeah. But <laughs> and how would they get right side up? Well, yeah. I know how they're going to get right side <laughs> up. There'd have to be a specially designed, like, mm. yeah. yeah. I feel I feel like it's possible. I want to see this. It's very dangerous, but I want to see it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you get if you get anything going fast enough and with the right aerodynamics, you can get it going every which yeah, way. Yeah, and you're going to have to get the smooth enough path to where they slowly get to the upside down uh, and come slowly down yeah. around. And this is different than, say, how a roller coaster spins a loop. This is a completely different concept. Oh, yeah. That's just momentum. Yeah, that yeah, is. that that has to do with the downward force that comes from the change of direction. They talk mm-hmm. about it in uh, planes when that you know Top Gun, the most recent Top Gun. Yeah. He was talking about how much G force they have to experience in yeah. the pilot seat as they change directions. Mm-hmm. That's how roller coasters keep you when you go upside down. Mm-hmm. This is literally just from the air's downward force, yes. not from momentum and the sheer amount of just going. This is the air actually pushing them yeah. into the surface. Yeah. So you on a roller coaster as you hit the top of the loop if that loop just keep going upside down you would be pulled back towards the ground if those constraints weren't holding you there um i'm not sure but when you're if you're in a formula one car and you're being pushed down i do believe you in the car would still be pulled down like uh, towards they'd the probably ground have, yeah they'd have to like You'd have strap to have you in uh, but the uh, the the car itself would not be pulled down at all. It would be pushed more than it would be pulled down. Correct. So you would uh, the car would keep going. And as opposed to a roller coaster, if it went upside down and kept going, the roller coaster would then have to hang. Yes. So it would still be pulled, but the wheels on the other side would hold it up. That's Correct. The Whereas this would remain being pushed yeah. on on the ceiling. I I still want to see it. Yeah. I still it would be super it. cool. It would be super cool. It's like uh, Men in Black, the movie. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh. Good movie. Anyway. All right. 
Act three. Yes. I forget what act three was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, good thing I did my homework because I have something to say about this is the future of electric motorsport. And it all comes down to batteries, like I said before. So in the earliest days, what we had were essentially lead-acid batteries. Yeah. It's like you, battery basics, cathode, anode, electrolyte. That is it. In the cathode and the anode, there's a separation of charge. In the electrolyte is the medium with which the charge flows through to the other side. Um, it's the most simple way you can make a battery. Uh, uh, dumb, like, dumb down cathode and anode for me. Okay, positive, negative. All right, cool. <laughs> The uh, anode's the negative? Yeah, cathode is positive, anode's negative, I believe. Am I wrong? I, I want to make sure. I don't want to pull a Tyler here. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. <laughs> yeah, cathode is positive, positive, anode is negative. So what that means is positive is just a way of saying it's at a high... Uh, okay, so this is getting into nebulous concepts of magnetism and electromagnetism. But it's like positive flows to negative, basically. So if you think of it like an atom has one extra electron, it's positive, it has an excess of electrons the negative side has a, a deficiency of electrons so the negative the the positive side with its extra electron wants to flow towards the anode side to fill the space but that's not actually how it works but i know because electrons are <laughs> negative in the grand scheme because protons are positive neutrons are neutral electrons are negative but in the way that batteries work we called the ones with the extra electron yeah. positive it's an because it's an ion like it's yeah am i am i saying that backwards because i was trying not to get it confused. Uh, it's so confusing it's like the negative side yes has no they the electron f flows <laughs> going into where this is taking me way back to what studying electricity and magnetism god i can't believe like i'm fucking up this one fundamental part of it oh where the electron god. flows through the wire from the negative to the positive but through the electrolyte solution no i'm dumb right it's the ions that flow through the electrolytic solution to the anode yes the electrons are discharged in that ugh. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> this is becoming science on wow, I, like, my favorite sports I team. Spend, I spent so much time looking up these batteries that I, like, <laughs> it's always these fundamental details that <laughs> fuck with you. I'm just pulling up a diagram of the battery. Yeah, yeah, no, let's see here. Let's see here. Right. Okay. So what it is in a in a in this specific type of battery, which is a lead acid battery, which is what car batteries are. So you have lead dioxide on one side and then lead on the other side, and the it's dihydrogen sulfoxide, something like that. Uh, it's been a while since organic chemistry. Um, but during discharge, the hydrogen ion, which is a positively charged hydrogen, meaning it does not have an electron, Correct. it's basically just a proton and a neutron, produced at the negative plates, meaning the anode moves into the electrolyte solution and is then consumed at the positive plate while hydrogen, not dihydrogen sulfoxide, hydrogen sulfoxide is consumed at both plates, the electrolyte solution. So that is a electronless hydrogen moving from the negative side to the positive side. It's the same principle as saying an electron moving from the left to the right positive negative but it's actually the ion moves negative to positive the electron flows through the wire the electrons don't go through the electrolytic solution yes that's the point uh. <laughs> uh. 
Yeah, basically hydrogen atoms bounce back and forth mm -hmm. um, as they become ionized. Yeah, and that's one type of battery. What Typically nowadays you have lithium-ion batteries, whereas yeah. lithium-ion will move through the electrolyte solution and go to the other side. And the reason it can deliver and last longer and has a longer output is because it's so reactive. Yes, exactly. It's an extremely reactive material. If you've been in chemistry class in high school, you've probably seen them drop it in water. It will explode. Same with sodium. Sodium also will explode. A lot of these molecules and atoms, they do funky things in relation to other funky things. And a lot of it amounts to exploding. Yeah, um, it's all chemical reactions. Yeah, this is why lithium is a dangerous battery. Yeah, it actually is. So there's reasons that there are restrictions on how to ship batteries, especially lithium polymer batteries, which are particularly explosive and unstable. The lithium ion batteries that are typically in your phones, there's a few different varieties, but they're generally well tested, well preserved, and they're able to do things. Yeah, Tyler, you have lithium batteries, non-rechargeable lithium batteries Correct. in your hand right now, um, which I think non-rechargeable lithium batteries are a waste. Like why rechargeable batteries? That should be the whole point of it but alkaline batteries are like blah, 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 blah. I could get into a whole topic. Everybody likes the disposable. They just want to use it when it's done, throw it away. It's the wasteful nature of humans. It is human nature. I think you trace that back to all the way to Roman days. They, even then, even with ceramic cups, they would there were disposable yeah. cups back then where they would take it and just chuck it away. Yeah, they throw know, it against the wall. Excess, whatever. In terms of lithium batteries, there's a few different varieties, but they're all based on the same principle. One of them is lithium iron phosphate, which is a safer version of the battery, but it is less energy dense than the lithium batteries that are in your phone or computer. Therefore, it's not preferred because the safeties that we do have in these computers is pretty good because they're made in a way that is supposed to be reliable. When it doesn't happen right, you get the Galaxy Note 8, yeah. which was a particularly explosive device. And the reason was because the battery was too big for its enclosure. When it heated up, it would expand because when anything heats up or most anything heats up, it usually expands. And yeah. it expanded, the battery touched the metal housing, shorted out the battery, explode. There's a lot of energy stored in batteries and they can release very quickly if it's uncontrolled. The future, however, is solid state batteries. Like uh, SSDs. Not quite. <laughs> <laughs> solid state basically just means that there's no moving parts. So Correct. a solid state uh, hard drive, it, it is the same um, in that there are no moving parts in the, Correct. Like, the drive it's, itself. It's compared to the hard drive, which has a spitting disc that gets written yes. on. Yeah. So I, I don't like hard drive disks, but my God, they're more data dense and cheaper to make than an SSD. I'm hoping that someday these will come down. Uh, but solid state batteries. This whole time I've talked about batteries, I've talked about this electrolytic solution, the, the, uh, the electrolyte in between the cathode and the anode. The idea being that you must have this liquid because it allows the free flow of ions through it to get from the anode to the cathode. But solid state batteries are exactly as they sound because they have a solid electrolyte. Yeah, it's no longer using a liquid. It's using something that's like glass or ceramic. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And the, the challenge here is how do you get a material that will not automatically short out the battery in terms of like, because electrons want to flow. The electrolyte is acts as a resistor for the electrons to flow, so they're forced to flow through the wires. But if you have a solid battery, a lot of solids are conductive. And conductive solids means that the electrons would flow through it right to the anode and then boom, or the cathode and then boom, it releases. Well, all the energy at once. Well, naturally, I don't know if you've ever watched the videos of electric wood burning. Almost everything at a certain voltage and a certain amount is conductive to a point. Yeah. It's just whether there's a lesser resistant 
pathway for them to go through mm-hmm. that it would choose otherwise. Yeah, it's the fundamental principle of everything because everything is made up of electrons and protons and neutrons. Um, so anything that has electrons, technically speaking, could have electrons move through it. It's just like some things are more resistant than others. Yeah. If you ever uh, rub your socks on the carpet and then you touch a doorknob, it's like that is the electrons moving not through your body but around the surface of your body to the doorknob and then you build up a uh, positive charge or a negative charge on your feet, your little tootsies, and then because of that imbalance, electrons are slightly pulled one way or the other and then zap, they're pulled from the door to your finger. That's why when you have a charge, you more often than not have hairs sticking up on ends Mm -hmm. because the current that you're Mm -hmm. holding as a figure of speech is causing your hairs to stick on end. Yeah. All, all of electromagnetism is a fascinating concept, uh, like not sport related. Oh, no. But. but but the future of motorsports is in solid state batteries, or at least another evolution of batteries that I am not aware of. Um, but the benefit of solid state batteries is you can make it denser. When you have a solid electrolyte, especially one that is able to insulate better than, say, the current liquid electrolytes, you can compress it. You can smush it down. You can make the cathode and anode closer together. The difficulty is finding a material that is resistive enough so so the electrons don't flow through it, but still allows for ions to travel through it. That's the difficulty of it. But when they find it, and they are literally in this year, in this year alone, there have been numerous breakthroughs and claims made about solid-state batteries. In the past, it's always been like, they're coming, they're coming. Literally this year, Toyota said that they have a solid-state battery that they're going to start putting in cars either this year or 2024. Oh, wow. And they're starting with hybrids. The reason being, it's a very expensive technology, so the best use for it is to get a smaller battery that attached to current gas-powered technology, and it will make it more efficient Mm -hmm. by having smaller batteries, lighter batteries, or the very least, more energy-dense batteries, which is the key. You will have more efficient motion. Yeah, and the craziest part about this, and this is just me doing minor research right now, is that it's going to be less flammable, which means it's less likely to to explode, mm-hmm. charges faster. Yes. It's going to be lighter. Yes. And have higher power output. Yes, exactly. All of these benefits from solid state are there because when you get the perfect electrolyte, solid electrolyte, you can charge much faster because you can... Uh, the problem with charging an electric battery right now is that you have to control the charge because of what's called dendrites. So mm-hmm. dendrites are little bits of the metal that form through the electrolyte that can cause a short. So this lithium ion moves back and forth and back and forth in the battery itself. It doesn't perfectly get back to its yeah, side. Yeah, you can't reform it exactly the way that it does. If mm-hmm. you've ever like dealt with crystals, crystals tend to form from just natural occurrence of mm. how they come back together. Yeah. When you have something that already is formed and you're trying to put crystals back, it's not going to take the same shape that it had originally. Yeah. It's going to start creating new forms on the surface of that form that's already there. Exactly. And and think of it like, uh, for those listening at home, the lithium ion will start depositing on one side irregularly like a mountain range until one of them starts to grow taller than the other. Then it's like a lightning rod. It's sticking up in the air and it draws sheer by either surface area or its proximity to it. It'll draw more and more ions. And this is when a battery starts to die. This lightning rod pokes further and further through the electrolyte and eventually will touch the other side and then boom. Well, it may not explode. It may just like not work anymore. Yeah. You can't charge it again. It's out of power. It just won't work. Mm. 
Yeah, and this is why things lose charge over a long period of time because of these irregularities. However, with a solid state battery, you can theoretically have longer life cycles if you have a perfect electrolyte. You longer life cycles, charging of the whole battery in 15 minutes, the whole battery in 15 minutes. You can get to 80% in like probably like 10 with the perfect electrolyte. Yeah. But uh, for now, just getting the first batteries in will probably change the world of motorsports sooner because cost is less of a prohibition in these high-performance applications like sports. Yeah, because Formula One is an immensely expensive sport to get into. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, it's it's a multi-million dollar investment just to have a car. Yeah. Let alone getting the, getting the driver, the team, everything involved. It is very expensive. Mm -hmm. It is incredibly expensive. And that's why in traditional consumer vehicles, you probably won't see solid state batteries for another 10 years. I am so sorry for everyone. Just like 5G won't actually be here for another eight years. Solid state batteries, even if they make developments right now, they won't be in your hand for another 10 years. But the future is promising. Yeah. And with this technology, if and when it comes about, it probably will have more output than your gas motors. It probably will. Because right now, an electric motor can beat a gas motor flat out with the right amount of current. But making that current portable is the challenge. And yeah. It all comes down to batteries. The weight to output ratios. Yeah. Something about that. I forget what the terminology is. Yeah. And that is the future of motorsports. Electric. In a side note, I do think electric bicycles are going to be the future of transportation. Yeah, I, you've told me this like six times. But have I talked about it on the podcast? No, you have not. But this is my chance to do so. It is. This is why. I'll, I'll make a short version. I know we're running out of time here. But the short version is the bicycle is an incredibly efficient machine. It's great at allowing people to move from A to B. The problem is it runs on fat. It runs on your legs. It runs on your human power. By giving you an electric motor to boost your power, even just a little bit, it allows you to propel yourself anywhere you need to go on your own two legs so long as your battery has charge. Now, here's the thing. If you're riding a bike, you're never going more than like maybe 10, 15 miles. No matter what. I went to Corridor. I went to West Hollywood. And I went back home. And I only had to charge once there. And technically, I ran out of batteries before I got home. <laughs> you never got but, the charge. But I went about 46 stops. miles that day. And I went just as fast as my car would have. Yeah, Just as fast. Especially because of the traffic in L.A. Mm -hmm. And if there were specific bike lanes, the density per capita of like travel through a city is so terrible. When you look at cars versus literally any other mode of transportation, it's awful. It's awful. And in America, it just gets bigger and bigger. And these huge trucks for one person that takes up the entire space that a small bus could. But a bicycle, it's a single occupant vehicle. You, me, Amy, Ethan, and Mika all had a great experience with an electric bike oh, just this 4th of July. Well, I mean... If well, you did. You did. <laughs> Yours ran out of battery. But it was fine. I still made it. I yeah, made you, it. You still made it because at the end of the day, it was still a bicycle and you yeah. could still pedal it. Um, but the thing was, we were going to see the fireworks at the Rose Bowl. We had to travel to get there, but we knew that we might be able to get this vantage point if we rode our bike somewhere. Yeah, because the, the other problem you have with cars is you have to worry about space for parking. Exactly. And being out of the way of other people and paying for parking, which is an absorbent thing in LA. We rode up and there was this guardrail where we could kind of see the Rose Bowl and we slid our bikes all the way up to the guardrail, took up no more space than a foot wide. 
Yeah. Did not obstruct any flow of cars. And even a motorcycle cop came up here and, and I asked, hey, is it cool if we slide our bikes over here? And he was like, yeah, it's fine. We were completely out of the way. Five of us had gone up there. If we had even carpooled in a single car, it would have been so much more of a hassle. It allowed more freedom. It allowed more mobility. And honestly, an electric bike versus a regular bike, I feel safer because I'm able to go faster. And not fast enough that I'm breakneck speeds, maybe like 20, 25 is usually what I'm doing. But fast enough to where you're not impeding traffic. Exactly. Other other cars notice me more. Well, I, I have bright colored helmet and whatnot, but yeah. um, they notice me. I'm not holding them up. No one's getting road rage. I have yet to have someone get angry at me on my bike, and I've ridden it 400 miles, and I got it a month ago. Yeah. I love that bike. This one was more expensive than a normal bike or even a regular electric bike, but compared to a car, this basically replaced my car. I've been coming to the podcast sessions every week on my electric bike. Yeah. I mean, I can't wait to get mine. Whenever Where's our happens. Super 73 sponsorship? <laughs> Super 73, they've been making me a custom bike for weeks now. I still don't have anything. And I, where's your bike? Super 73, hello, please. Any other electric bike manufacturer out there? Apparently, I'm on the market. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but anyway, I'll close that up. No, but um, it's really fascinating to me because... Because one of the things about this podcast, we're going to talk about sports, but we need to talk about other things that impact sports and change sports, because that's also within that realm. So getting into the science and talking about the advancement of technology with electricity and batteries and electric motors truly impacts motorsports and is going to impact so much more beyond that. So thank you for bringing your highly researched and done homework to the table, Mark. Thank you. And uh, I hope you guys have a newfound understanding of motorsports and how electricity is going to change the game with batteries and electric motors. Yep. Any closing statements other than, hey, go buy the merch. The YouTube channel is up and uh, there's a Discord. Uh, YouTube channel is up. Currently working on the Discord. Where's Tyler's electric bike? Uh, yada, yada, yada. Hey, uh, we need your guys' help to um, help get this podcast into more people's ear holes. Um, so if you could share it with a friend, it would be highly appreciated. We really want to push to being that number one sports podcast in the world um, and be able to go to cool events and be invited to stuff. I saw on the subreddit, somebody already wants to set us New York Mets hats. That's very nice. We definitely want to get there and be able to do cool stuff and have really cool, awesome guests that we're starting to get lined up in and recording with. One of the best ways to help out is to subscribe to the YouTube channel and then uh, like, watch the videos in general because they are highlights and they're fun and the thumbnails are great. Um, but also just like help promote those and the algorithm on YouTube will help uh, automatically push things out to things. On most podcasting platforms, the discoverability isn't that great, but YouTube's a great resource. Let's uh, try to blow that up. Yeah, like, comment, share. Like, comment, favorite, and subscribe. Slap that bell! Slam the bell! All right, so uh, thank you. All right, bye. Uh, bye.